welcome into this week's edition of the Sports Gospel Show here on SportsGospel.com or wherever you find your favorite sports podcasts. Darren and Andrew back with you on this week's episode, and this is going to be an all NFL episode, part one of our two-part preview. Andrew and I looking at the NFC and his beloved Green Bay Packers. We'll see what he thinks about their season. We're going to save the big NFC North for last, probably Maybe the the deepest conversation we can have is that North, start with the East, go out to the West, look at the NFC South, and then finish with the teams in the frozen tundra. We will start here in the NFC East with the defending Super Bowl runner-up league champion. The Philadelphia Eagles feel like they are the prohibitive favorite and not a lot of people predicting much out of the NFC. It feels kind of like the Eagles, Niners, and then everybody else. The Cowboys are an intriguing case, and then you have the currently named Commanders and the New York Giants. We'll just start there with those four contenders. Yeah, this does feel like Philly's division to lose, certainly, um, with the way Jalen Hurts ascended last year. And you've got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Goddard. Hang on just a second. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Hit the wrong button. Didn't mean to cut off your role there. Yeah, so... They're just, again, they're loaded on offense, just like they were last year. They have a few pieces to replace on defense, but the mainstays are still there. Their offensive line is really good. They added DeAndre Swift via trade. They added Rashad Penny in free agency. So maybe that's the one question mark on offense is the running back spot. And maybe you have a little bit of question on defense, but not really with the way they nailed it in the draft. I mean, getting... I believe they got Jalen Carter, right? So, yeah. And Nolan Smith. Smith. What an absolute. And Keely Ringo. They're they're just drafting Georgia players now. They're the Georgia graduate program. Yeah, they're just drafting Georgia players. And it's a great strategy for the defense, I think. And so I really don't see any team here in the East. Maybe if you want to say that the Giants are going to ascend. With Darren Waller and Brian Dable in year two, you could maybe make a case for the Giants, but I'm I'm calling this an Eagles division on a landslide. I I know that that's the thing to do, and it's not that I necessarily love the Cowboys. This is just the division that is so topsy-turvy. This may be the team that gets the most total wins. I think they're going to beat up on a lot of their competition. I don't think there's an awful team in this division. I don't think there's a Cardinals or a Texans here, as bad as the Commanders may be. We we know about my love for Sam Howell on this show. Ron Rivera is going to get the most out of any team. I think that defense is going to be fantastic. They've got some running backs, our beloved scary Terry McLaurin. So even the commanders, who I think are fourth, aren't going to be terrible. I worry about the step back with the Eagles. A lot of those guys were already veterans. They're another year older. Yes, they've backfilled with young guys. Jalen Hurts, can he stay healthy? We think about this all these times. We see these uh, running quarterbacks. It happened with Cam. It happened with Lamar Jackson. I want Jalen Hurts to be healthy and have a great year. You just have to be concerned about the health there with uh, what he is willing to put his body on the line for. But it's mostly losing the coaches. We have to remember they lost their offensive and defensive coordinators who are now head coaches elsewhere. Is it Jonathan Gannon with the Cardinals and Shane Steichen with the Colts? So I get the Eagles being the prohibitive favorite here, but I may give a slight tip of the cap to the Cowboys just because I think it should be somebody else. I'm, I, I can't put my faith behind Danny Dimes, and the Commanders are the Commanders. 
And I'm not putting my faith in Dak Prescott. I would rather put my faith in Brian Dable and what he's got going in New York than uh, the Cowboys. So I think we see the two spot a little bit differently. I think that's the Giants to lose. And I think the Cowboys are yet again missing the playoffs. You may not put your faith in Dak. Will you put your faith in Trey Lance? Uh, No, because I don't believe that <laughs> Trey Lance will be starting. Um, and anyone who can't be beat out Brock Purdy for a quarterback job is hey now. does not deserve my faith. He can't he can't beat out Cooper Rush for the backup job right now. <laughs> yeah. Again, no room for Trey Lance. Um not a believer in Dak, not a believer in what the Cowboys are doing, so yeah. Give me uh I think the commanders are fourth, but maybe they could ascend if Sam Howell's better than expected. I, I don't know. I just don't really see it with Dallas this year. I don't. I don't love them as a Super Bowl team the way a lot of people do. I think they will be. I think it'll be a very close race. And they. I think the Eagles and Cowboys are both playoff teams. It's just. It's also very hard. Maybe you don't think the Eagles are this good, but a lot of people think of them as the NFC Super Bowl, you know, team. But really, teams that lose Super Bowls, it's a lot of work to get back there. I'm trying to think a team who lost and then got back the next year. The Patriots did it. In 1819, uh, they lost to these Eagles and then came back and beat the Rams the next year. But there's not a lot of teams who lose and then get over that hump to come back the next year. It's it's, it's so much to ask. So uh, I think probably the most talented overall NFC division. I'm not sure if you agree there, but I think the East is probably the best when you look top to bottom. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that one. No. Um. I'm trying to think. We haven't really talked about the individual talents here. Any names we need to keep our eyes on outside of the quarterbacks? We've mentioned Dak and Danny Dimes and Jalen Hurts. I'm trying to think some of the uh, big superstars we need to watch out of this division. Uh, C.D. Lamb, Saquon Barkley, Michael Parsons, um, Chase Young, maybe a bounce back spot for him. Um, Jahan Dotson might be a breakout candidate for the Commanders. Somebody I think we might be. We might be talking about Jahan Dotson as sort of the top receiver for the Commanders by the end of the year, but um, somebody's yeah. prepping for their draft. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, Jahan Dotson on the mind. For, I think he's a great second-year breakout candidate as a wide receiver. Um, I also wonder too if Devonta Smith might be maybe becomes the number one guy for Philly. I know that people love AJ Brown, but I really think that Devonta Smith could ascend. He was really coming on late last year. And then in the playoffs, I think he might take another step forward and it might be clear that he's the number one guy as far as receiving threats go in Philly by the end of the year. So. Yeah. I feel yeah, good about, but, I feel good about Philly's offense. I just, the line's a little bit older losing Isaac is at Sayomalau, uh, the guard there. So just a little bit older and, rebuilding that defense. But I, I do think they'll put up points between Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. Yeah, absolutely. And their army of running backs that they always have. Yeah, they've, they've got, and Jalen hurts and his running ability, but um, you talked about that already. So that's, that's kind of it here. This is, this is how weird the NFL is. Mike McCarthy and Ron Rivera are the two longest tenured coaches in this division. And they were both hired in 2020. Yeah, it shows you just how much um, the recency of what you do comes into play in coaching. 
It's yeah. what have you done for me lately? Now, we know that you are uh, not a Mike McCarthy lover. Does he make it through the end of the year? I, I do think he'll make it through the end of this year. I think if any coach in this division is going to be on the hot seat, it's going to be Rivera with Eric Bieniemy being there as the offensive coordinator. There might be some people in that organization who kind of want to turn the page if things aren't going really well for the commanders this year. I think Ron Rivera could be a nice play on that first coach fired list. Which I think it's a little bit of that new coach or new ownership coming in. They always want to start fresh, have their own guys. I wonder if that's coming to play into it as well for them. I kind of think that's the goal with hiring Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. It's the trial run, see what he can do with the offense, and then probably instill him as your head coach next year. Also, in am I being insensitive? We hear the... We heard this, was it uh, LaShawn McCoy said the same thing about Biennemi, and now we're getting Commander's players saying they don't like the way Biennemi talks to them, and that we're seeing the, uh, these are the early days of the guys who were coddled through AAU and 7-on-7 and high school and college ball, and now the, uh, as you may call them, soft players making it in the NFL who can't stand Biennemi being tough on them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what was said, right? So it's kind of hard to say whether or not they're being soft. Or is he uh, If it comes out yeah, or if it comes out that he's saying things that are just really inappropriate right. to say in this day and age, then maybe they're not soft. So That's true. But I, I don't remember hearing about this with Chiefs players. I thought it was a thing that LaShawn... Other than Lash- yeah, LaShawn McCoy was the only one, though. Yeah, everybody kept saying, why is Biennemi not getting hired? And I thought it was McCoy came out and said, well, it's the way he talks to players and talks to people. And I think Andy Reid has since come out and said, and Rivera did the same thing of, no, he's just, he's trying to teach you something. He may have a tough way of saying it. But like you say, unless you're actually in the room, you don't know what he's saying to these guys. Sounds like he might be more, you know, old school, my way or the highway kind of guy. That maybe doesn't fly with guys these days, so... Right. Yeah, it should be an interesting case, but I still like him as an offensive coordinator. Uh, a quick side note that has nothing to do with anything. If you want to get a job in the NFL, have your last name be Mick. Mike McCarthy, Mike McDaniel, Josh McDaniel, Sean McDermott, Sean McVay. So. I did not put any of that together, but yeah, with basically it. you're saying just be Irish. Yeah, and, and Kevin O'Connell, if you want to throw that in there. Yeah, just be Matt, Lef- Matt Lafleur, I suspect, is more of a French situation. That is, that is probably more of a French situation. So, there you go. There's that nugget of information for the day. Um, so, we've gone all across the board here on the NFC East. Uh, so, what is your one to four, four to one, however you want to do it, and which playoff teams do you have? I have um, Eagles one, Giants two, Cowboys three. Commanders for top two teams here. Obviously, the Eagles as division winners, and then I've got the Giants going back to the playoffs. I'm a big believer in Brian Dable, and I love what they did with adding Waller and Hyatt. Saquon's back. I think the defense will be a little bit better this year. That is kind of the question mark about the Giants, but I I really like um, what they've got going and could see them taking over. Honestly, would not shock me if the Giants end up winning this division, but I am not going to bet against the Eagles at this point. So that's how I see it. I'll I'll go Cowboys one, Eagles two, Giants three, Commanders four, with the Cowboys and Eagles getting in. 
I think it could look a lot like last year, though, where the Giants were 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one, and they were the worst team. So, yeah, I don't think you're looking at a three or four win team in this division, but slightly different ranking. Yeah, a little, a little bit different. Well, we will go from potentially the best to, I don't know if we'll call them the worst. I think uh, maybe the third best. The NFC West, another one that feels like it is the Niners and then everybody else. I'm not even sure. Kind of a toss up between the Seahawks and Rams. And then the Cardinals seem to be a consensus winner of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And don't forget, they have two shots at it. They have the Texans pick. The Cardinals feel like they're just slowly tearing things down. They have that anchor albatross of a contract. They have Kyler Murray signed through 2027 for $245 million, I think it is. And he just has not seemed really interested in being there. Who knows? Maybe we're all wrong and Jonathan Gannon will turn this thing around. But for me, this feels like kind of a runaway for the Niners. I think the Seahawks are always going to contend. A healthy Stafford, a healthy Cooper Cup, a healthy Aaron Donald could put the Rams in contention. But I, I don't see anybody getting within striking distance of San Francisco. See, I sort of see it differently. I mm. I think Seattle might be in striking distance of San Francisco here. Um, I really like the addition of Jason. They did draft Charbonnet. I don't know if they really needed to draft Charbonnet, but it gives them a nice two-headed running back option between him and Kenneth Walker. And Geno Smith had a career year, and they gave him another weapon. I really like the offense that Seattle's putting together, and that's what it takes. I believe Jamal Adams is coming back. Really like Tariq Woolen out there at corner. I think the pass rush is maybe a little bit of an issue for Seattle there. Um, so there's definitely some question marks in terms of pass rushing and linebacker core and that sort of thing, and it might hold them back a little bit. Uh, but in San Francisco, you've got the Bosa holdout that continues to go on. You've got their defense getting just a little bit older. Um, I think, Fred, we did mention that San Fran had all these really good players when we did our top 10, so I know I'm bucking the trend a little bit by going against them, but I also I don't really believe in the Purdy thing like the Niners seem to. Um, I think he's good enough, but I I think this the Niners will ultimately win this division but I don't think it's going to be a runaway scenario. I think it's going to come down to probably the final, probably the final two weeks. If I had to go ahead and pull up the schedule here for the NFL, if these teams play in week 17 or week 18, that might be a game where the division is completely on the line. Um, so just pulling up the schedule. So give, give me a second oh, here, I'm, but I'm, I think it's I'm, those I'm trying two. to race you to it. I think it's I think it's those two in a heated battle, and then I do not trust. You talked about if Stafford, if Donald, if Cooper Cup. It's a lot of ifs, and those guys aren't getting any younger. So I'm I'm sort of seeing the Rams. They're not going to be Arizona bad because I think Arizona has a real chance to go zero and seventeen. Oh. And, and it seems like they might actually be intent on doing so um, <laughs> just because they're just giving away first round picks or seventh round picks because they just traded Isaiah Simmons away for a seventh round pick. They're just selling guys off. I think they might just 
I know Kyler is going to be back at some point, but I think it's going to be so obvious that the season is lost that they might just tell Kyler, why don't you just hang out, play your Call of Duty, do whatever it is you like to do with your free time. But I think this might be a year where they're just, they're just sitting Kyler out, calling it a year and looking forward to moving on from Kyler actually and moving forward to Caleb Williams. Uh, we can save that conversation for another day, but what do you do with Kyler Murray is a, something we'll have to get to at some point this season. Looking at the Cardinals schedule, I I think they're maybe going to go 2-15. and 15. In November, they get to host Atlanta, and then they go to Houston, so there may be some shots in there. But the So the they play all the teams in the East. So you start out with Washington, New York, Dallas, San Fran, Cincinnati. So I think they may be 0-5 heading into their trip against the Rams. And like you mentioned, the health-wise, who knows what the Rams have going on. Then you go to Seattle, you host Baltimore. At Cleveland, who knows what shape Cleveland will be in. They feel like a, the quintessential 6-11 and team. But I, th- I think there's two weeks in there. They may they may snag two, and they do have a they have a week fourteen buy. So one of the latest buys in the league for the Cardinals. So after the first thirteen games, they could be in rough shape. Yeah, what I'm what I'm telling you for your fantasy football players out there is go ahead and uh, load up on the teams that play the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> if you can. Yeah, and the so after the bye week, <laughs> lovely way to end your season. They get the Niners, the Eagles, and they end the season against the Seahawks, who, like you mentioned, are going to be playing for a playoff spot or a division title. And and you get to go to Chicago, so you get to spend Christmas Eve playing in Chicago, which is lovely weather for anybody. And if Justin Fields is balling out, he could run over that team. They're, uh, they're checked out by that point, right? That's why I think that 0-17 is a real possibility. Um, I think the Texans will be at least trying to go somewhere with CJ Stroud at quarterback. And so they might actually see that as a, okay, here's a game that we can get. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I think I see Arizona being 0 and 17, honestly, especially if they decide that, Hey, we're just going to shut Kyler down. It's not really worth it because if they don't move on to Caleb Williams, then they, they need Kyler for the future, but who knows? Again, it's not a very good organization right now, and, and there's not a lot of hope for the future with the way that they look. So I'm trying to look at their roster and see who they may have of interest, because you've got young guys who you may have hope in, uh, a Rondale Moore and a Paris Johnson. You've got Hollywood Brown, who is basically traded for to be Kyler's buddy. Looking at this Cardinals roster, I'm just seeing if there's anybody. They Zaven Collins, maybe. I think Buda Baker is your biggest target of a guy who's like, please get me out of here. Let me go play for a contender. So I'd be watching for a Buda Baker trade before the deadline, and maybe Zaven Collins. I'm not sure who else the Cardinals have who would fetch a real steep price. Yeah, and just looking at their depth chart, I just there's a lot of just who going on <laughs> in my mind. And as someone who follows the NFL closely, if if I'm uh, saying who, I know that the casual fans right. are out there saying, who the heck are these guys? And, yeah, I mean, the only recognizable face is, is Kyler, and we don't know when he's going to be back. Oh, yeah, Do we know who they're rolling with at quarterback? Is that still a big mystery? Uh, No, but I think they're going to give the rookie Clayton Toon a shot because they, they dropped Colt McCoy. They did 
trade for Josh Dobbs, but I think you might as well just go ahead and give the rookie a shot. He's listed as a third stringer, but um, just understanding that the season is probably lost, I don't see a real reason to go with an old veteran quarterback who has no real upside. I think you just go with the guy who might have some sort of upside, who knows what it is, and go from there. And the poor Cardinals, nobody outside of Arizona is going to see their games. I'm doing a quick scroll through. They do not have a Thursday night, Monday night, or Sunday night game on the calendar this year. Unless they somehow get that was, in. That was intentionally done, and thank you. <laughs> All right, so we'll stop beating up on the poor Cardinals here. Uh, so to finish up the NFC West here, I've got the Niners, yeah, I think, winning it by a few games. And then I'll put the Seahawks in second, another playoff team. I really need to be judicious. I've already put four playoff teams in. And then I think the Rams will be not not terrible. I think they're going to be better than 5-12, and 12, but maybe that 9-8 and eight just missing the playoffs. And then the Cardinals will be picking in the top three next year. So Niners, Seahawks in, Rams, Cardinals. We have it in the same order. I just think it's going to be close at the top. Do you think the Niners are the one seed in the NFC? Or are we getting no. to your one seed? I think that's I think that's Philly. Because that yeah. And just a reminder for some of our more casual fans, that one seed is extra important if you value home field advantage since they added the seven. The top two don't get that home field perk anymore. So that ever valuable top overall seed now for both conferences. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I think I think uh, the winner of this division is the two. Um, and then, unfortunately, you know, the loser, of the, the second place of this NFC West probably drops down to that fifth spot right below the division winners because, unfortunately, until we can fix this in all professional leagues, but the best team, it should just be best based off record, but... Right. But um, no, I, I, think, it yet. I think Seattle may be the third best team in the entire NFC outside of, well, maybe four. I think Dallas, Philly, San Fran, and Seattle, maybe the top four, get to my opinion on the NFC North here, may fluctuate that. But if, if Geno Smith is back, I trust Pete Carroll's coaching. I trust the defense. I trust the run game. They have the weapons. It's just Geno and that offensive line. If they're humming, I do. I think it's going to be closer to like you're talking about a game or two, week 18. Yeah, see, I, I'm also with you in thinking that Seattle is the third best team on the NFC right now. So, um, yeah. So we'll keep moving here, going a little bit faster than usual for us. Going down to the NFC South, I feel pretty confident in saying this is the weakest division right now, which I remember, like, was that last year, two years ago, we thought the AFC West was going to be four playoff teams, and then two of them ended up being not good. I think the South, we're going to look at this in three months and the NFC South is going to be amazing, but you've got the Buccaneers who I think still have talent, but they're discovering life after Tom Brady could be very tough. I could see them jettisoning a lot of guys. They have a lot of defensive players who they may be able to sell off during the season and get draft capital for. They did win the division last year. You've got the Panthers with Bryce Young, a team that I think is just young and developing a lot of great defensive talent, but I just think you need to give a rookie quarterback time. The Falcons... I think the Falcons are probably the fourth team here. I know a lot of people love Atlanta as like a dark horse playoff team. 
Uh, Bijan Robinson, a lot of hype. I just need to see more Desmond Ritter. I want him to succeed. Just don't know enough yet. The Saints are the team here that I absolutely love. Feels like nobody is with me on the Saints. Huge Derek Carr fan, huge Chris Olave fan. If Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara bounce back, the offensive line I think is solid and the defense is fantastic. I, the Dennis Allen coaching wrinkle is what I'm not sure about, but I am all in on this New Orleans team and I think they, they're not going to be Philly or San Francisco good, but I want to be the one who's sitting here saying, I told you the Saints were going to be 11 and six. Yeah, I'm not going to go there with you. And I am riding with Atlanta in this division. I think they are. This is probably the weakest division in football, at least the way it looks right now. And it's really, I think any, I think Tampa Bay is the only team you can rule out. I think this is a massive rebuilding year for Tampa Bay. But any of Atlanta, New Orleans, or Carolina could win this. I probably think it's I think it's an Atlanta New Orleans race, but this is a in terms of the playoffs, this is a one bid um this is a one bid elite division. And I think Atlanta came really close with Mariota quarterback last year. This division was really close up until the end last year, although Tampa was able to kind of scoot away at the end and win it. But I think the addition of Bijan Robinson and I like Atlanta's offensive line. I think it was one of the best in the NFL, if not the best. I think we talked about that when we were talking about offensive line units and you add one of the best running back prospects that we've seen in a long time in Bijan to that. You're not really going to be asking Desmond Ritter to do too much it's just going to be kind of a make the makeable situation for him. But if I, if I go ahead and look at the schedule here, I think I see, I think I see nine wins for the Atlanta Falcons. And I think that's all it's going to take. Uh, I am not as big on Derek Carr. I think the defense is aging there in New Orleans. And so I'm going to go ahead and uh, take my, my pick on a, ascending maybe a little bit of an ascending Atlanta team I don't think Desmond Ritter is the long-term answer quarterback so they'll have to do something there eventually but I think for this year they're going to be the the division winners with a record of nine and eight could Atlanta at least fix their uniforms they have they have the best color combination and the worst uniforms Black, red, and white, fantastic together, and Atlanta has completely destroyed that. There's nothing to do with winning games. It just bothers me when I watch them. No, I think their uniforms are pretty similar to last year's. Ugh. Uh, no, I, I like the offense. Uh, Kyle Pitts I like, Drake London I like, Bijan Robinson. They've built a solid line. Nobody really talks about Atlanta's line play, but they've got a lot of great guys up front there. The defense is what's going to be interesting for me, along with Arthur Smith, a guy who's a great coordinator, but is he a head coach? I think he's coaching for his job. He's another one. I think if it doesn't work out, he'll be an offensive coordinator for a long time based on what he did with Tennessee. It's can he get this team together and get the defense to really thrive? They brought in all these old guys, Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree and Jesse Bates, all these veterans to shore up that defense. It's just, that's, that's what I need to see before I can buy Atlanta. I know New Orleans has the defense. I think the pass rush, I think you have right to be concerned there. Um, but I think the secondary is really good, and that's going to be a strength 
of this team, and we all know Derek Carr's penchant for throwing interceptions. He's going to be throwing a few when he plays Atlanta. <laughs> but the man, the man's a, a gamer. Is he like? Isn't he never missed a start in like 185 straight starts or something? I will give him that. Like, I think he's a great guy. I think he's a decent NFL quarterback, but I don't think it moves the needle in such a direction where I'm willing to say that the Saints are just going to run through this division. I don't really see that, Uh, but I do see them coming in second. I do think they're probably better than Carolina, but I think there's a lot of ifs about Alvin Kamara, about others. Michael Thomas, I think I'm, I'm willing and ready to go ahead and write him off. Um, I do think Chris Olave is an ascending talent, someone who we could see as a superstar by the end of this year. And so that's intriguing, but I don't think, uh, again, a lot of all the teams here, the Panthers think they have their franchise guy with Bryce Young, but the other three, I, I think they have a lot of question marks at quarterback. I just think the overall roster in Atlanta and the coaching, I'm more sold on Arthur Smith than I think a lot of people are. I thought it was starting to turn around at the end of last year, and I think that's just going to carry over into this year. The Panthers, I have all the faith in the world in Bryce Young. I think he's a franchise guy. does feel a lot like they're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst. They're kind of collecting guys from everywhere to see if they can get some weapons. I I'm totally fine if they go four and 13 and they get Marvin Harrison jr. In the draft next year. And then Bryce young and Harrison jr. Become the next burrow and chase. I do like the defense, some fun guys to watch. there, bringing in the uh, old man, Justin Houston, but Brian Burns, absolute stud over there for them. Derek Brown, JC Horn is still a young guy. We have a lot of faith in. So there's be some fun things to watch with the Panthers, but I do think they're down there. Maybe not quite Tampa bad, so I'm I'm with you. To me, it's a one bid division. I have the Saints, Falcons two, Panthers three, and then the Bucks are just gonna kind of ride and then be looking at Drake May or Caleb Williams or whomever in the draft. Yeah, and I just have nine and eight Atlanta winning the division, eight and nine New Orleans missing the playoffs, Carolina probably coming in at like six and eleven but showing plenty of signs of improvement and then Tampa winning five games or less, probably four, four and 13, something like that. Um, rough year in Tampa. And then, like you said, probably looking forward to the draft. Who's that next quarterback going to be? Probably Drake may as I don't think they're going to be quite bad enough to get Caleb right. Williams. Yeah. I think they're, and there's probably some guy we're not even talking about. This happens every year. Some quarterback pops up. So they're, I think they're in that who's the next best guy after Caleb Williams there in that draft class. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to scroll all the way down to Tampa. To, it feels like Tampa has a lot of good guys. They're just without the quarterback play. Yeah, we. I mean, we love Tristan Wirfs. They've got guys like him, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin are still there. Maybe those guys look for new homes. They just drafted Kalijah Cansey. I wonder, could you trade a Devin White, a Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Antoine Winfield Jr.? There's a lot of talent in Tampa. They're just wonder how many of those guys want to stick around for a rebuild or you get rid of them now and stock up on mid uh, mid-level picks. Yeah, a lot of talent, but it's not at the position that affect the game the most. And so that's kind of what they need. 
right? That quarterback position because Baker, obviously not a long-term answer here. So it'll be Caleb Williams or, or Drake May. I was just looking up 2024 NFL mock drafts because I guess we can get an early start on that. But oh, why not? Maybe. I mean, it's Quinn Ewers is maybe the oh, third yeah. quarterback. Bo Nix. Yeah. Uh, that, that Is it KJ Jefferson, the guy at Arkansas I see a lot of people liking? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just looking at CBS's mock draft. Michael Penix. I don't. I don't really know. Um, Jordan and, and, Travis. I, I, I mean, don't Tyler know. Murray's available. Maybe you just go get a uh, Olu Fashanu. Fashanu. Someday I'll master that name, and then you just go get a veteran quarterback somewhere out there. Because, like you say, outside of Caleb Williams, it does feel like it drops off a little bit. A lot more questions that we need answered. Yeah, or maybe you um, go for a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. and just, and then, like you said, trade for Kyler Murray or fill your quarterback spot another way, or maybe punt on quarterback again and just wait until the next year. Which the fans love. Oh, yeah, no, they hate it, but (laughs) it makes sense in terms of team building. Right. Well, you and I both have five playoff teams and not the same five, but that means we're each going to be looking for two teams coming out of the NFC North. This one feels like maybe the most coin toss of a division, because depending on who you talk to and what you like, there are Vikings homers like myself. There are Lions fans. Those seem to be the largest contingent. Everybody just wants the Lions to be good for once. And then you have the Cheeseheads cheering for the Packers. It feels like nobody is cheering for the Bears to win it, but everybody does expect the Bears to be better. They've made... I guess it's hard to be worse, but they've made some moves. Everybody's seems hyped to see what Justin Fields can do. And that electric uh, electric play that he, uh, the dual threat at quarterback, man, this one's wide open for me. I know you're not going to like this, but I've got the Vikings slightly edging out the lions, your Packers. I think it's another eight and nine season just with the new quarterback. And then I don't think the bears will be terrible, terrible, but like a six and 11 or a maybe seven win if it goes well. Yeah, I see this as the Lions are going to win this division um, with a record of 11-6. and six. And then I see Green Bay coming in second at 10-7. and seven. I see um, Minnesota, who somehow won, what was it, 11 or 12? 12 and 0 in one last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but I think they were eleven and zero. Eleven and zero in one score games. But now, but now we all love Kirk Cousins because of that Netflix documentary. I mean, I do like Kirk Cousins, but unfortunately for Kirk, there's going to be regression to the mean in terms of uh, close games and the outcome. I don't think uh, the Vikings are going to go eleven and zero in that scenario again. I just, it's just highly unlikely. Uh, statistically impossible. There's just a lot of historical data to back it up there. And an aging defense that they, they didn't really improve upon. Um, I think Cousins and Jefferson and Hawkinson and Addison, I think there will be plenty of electricity on offense. And so the Vikings will put up some points. 
Uh, but I think there's huge question marks on defense and a lot of aging defenders. Um, I, I am just, I think people believe that Jordan Love is just going to be this awful quarterback just because he sat behind Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I know we can't glean too much from the preseason, but you can kind of tell when someone's going to be bad in the preseason. And Jordan Love doesn't give off the vibe of he's going to be a bad quarterback. I really like what Luke Musgrave brings. I really like Jaden Reed as well. Um, we saw the Christian Watson breakout. And I'm a big believer in the Packers defense. I think that's going to be one of the top five defenses in the NFL this year. So I I think Green Bay is going to come in at 10-7. and seven. Lose the division to Detroit, but ultimately earn a wild card spot and probably a date with the 49ers. Oh. Or maybe Seattle, which would be fine too. I, for me, it's, it's that Viking defense, like you mentioned, and their running game that I don't trust. But on the other side, it's the Packers passing game. To me, Jordan Love is a mystery. I'm not as sold on their young receivers as you are. A big fan of Luke Musgrave. We know they can run with Dylan and Jones. The offensive line will be solid. So they're, and I, I do think the Packers defense will be fantastic. They're loaded with talent. That's where the Vikings have some spot stars. When you look at a, my, my beloved Harrison Smith, you know, Marcus Davenport, some of these guys, again, maybe a little bit older, not as hyped as the Packers defense. But Minnesota, regardless, I think is gonna they're gonna be like a Texas Tech Mike Leach offense. They're gonna throw it all over the yard with Cousins throwing to those three that you mentioned, the best receiver in the game. Somehow, weirdly, the Lions do feel like the most complete team. The Vikings defensive questions, for me, the Packers passing game questions, and then there's Detroit with just solid offensive line, solid quarterback, solid receivers, solid running back, solid pass rush. Like, oh dang, good job, Detroit. Right. Yep. That's what I'm seeing is they're the most complete team. Quick, um, without looking at a depth chart. So, oh, so shut down your shut down your Bears depth chart. Name a name an edge rusher or defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears. Khalil Mack. No, Robert Quinn. One that's starting this Roquan year. Smith. Uh nope. keep going. Did they draft somebody? Miles Murphy, Ryan Brzee. Uh Somebody nope. from Georgia. This is my point as to why the Bears <laughs> are going to be bad on defense again. Yannick Ngakwe, I think. Oh, nice. That's probably the name that people will recognize the most. Or Tremaine Edwins, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn. I, I like the linebackers. I like the secondary with Jalen Johnson, Jaquan, Britsk- Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon. I like the secondary that the Bears have. But the pass rush is not going to scare anybody. Um, the line, but the back seven is is really legit. Um, again, I'm not sold on Fields. I think a lot of people are kind of extrapolating what we saw last year. I think Fields is sort of a running back playing quarterback at this point in time. I'm not really sold on him as a passer. I know a lot of people are. I think the Bears are going to be, yeah, probably a five-win team this year. I think they're a five- or a six-win team this year. Um, But like you said, Detroit, 
probably the most complete team. And if they get Jamison Williams back and he has something to add opposite Amon Ross St. Brown, that's just going to take Detroit to a whole other level. Um, but I really, I really expect Detroit to win this division, but Green Bay to be 10 and 7. Do you want me to go through Green Bay schedule so I, so I can show you the 10 and 7? Sure. At Chicago, we own the Bears. One and zero. At Atlanta, this is one of their their eight losses. Whoa! They're gonna go. Ne- this is one of Atlanta's eight losses because they okay. did nine and eight. There you go. Two and zero. And then home versus New Orleans, who I just got through telling you eight and nine, seven and ten. Well, they're gonna be that. Green Bay starting off the year three and zero. Uh, they probably hit a snag the next week against Detroit, so three and one. And then at the Raiders in week five, which I don't expect the Raiders to be good. I think Green Bay is a little bit more of a complete team than the Raiders, so give me four and one. At Denver, I'll, I'll mark that down as a loss, so four and two. Then back to back home games against Minnesota and the Rams. Give me two wins there, so six and two through nine weeks because there was a bye week thrown in there. Um, at Pittsburgh, I could see it going either way. I think Green Bay takes this, so seven and two. They get the Chargers at home. I think they lose to the Chargers, seven and three. I think they go to Detroit and lose, seven and four. I think they lose to Kansas City. At home, seven and five. I think they lose to New York Giants, seven and six. So we're hitting a little bit of a skid here. And then I think they rebound by beating Tampa Bay at home, eight and six. I think they beat Carolina on the road, nine and six. I think they lose to Minnesota on the road, nine and seven. And then I think they beat the Bears at home, ten and seven. So you you tell me of the ten wins that I marked down, which ones I got wrong. I think you can talk me out of Atlanta, maybe. Yeah. So I did this along with but you. In my, I did this along in my head, and I got I got the Packers ending up at eight and nine. Also, who in the scheduling office hates the Bears because the Bears have to begin and end the year against the Packers, and the last one is at Lambeau. So somebody's got an axe to grind with the Bears. Love it, love it. <laughs> so. And as we know, you know, not every game goes the the way that we expect. Um, So there will be some games that I think Green Bay should win that they lose and vice versa. So I guess you could talk me down to nine and eight, but I think I see nine and eight when I look at the schedule as the floor. So just going through this, I'm trying to do this really quick. Basically, nine wins is almost the you're safely in now that we've expanded to seven teams. So you're kind of, it's a, it's a race to nine wins last year. The Steelers were nine and eight and the lions were nine and eight and they both missed out. Part of that is like we've mentioned before, like last year, Tampa Bay got in at eight and nine because they won their division while the lions were nine and eight in a different division left on the outside looking in. So it's an imperfect science, but you're kind of you feel pretty good about yourself. If you can get to nine wins for a playoff team. Right. If you get the Packers to 10, 
But no, I, yeah, I had a couple different from you, but it's stuff like my love of the Saints or you know, some. Hey, like you mentioned, there's that tough stretch in there where you get Steelers, Chargers, Lions, Chiefs. It's going to be a tough middle of the season, especially if you've already had your bye week. Right. And then Giants on the road, who I expect to be good. So to wrap up the North, you've got Lions Packers both in the playoffs. Yet yeah, with the Lions taking on the division. Okay. And I've got the Vikings winning, Lions getting a wild card. So that's my seven. I've got the Packers right there at eight and nine. And then the Bears, probably a seven to ten, six and eleven, maybe if you want to be safe and hedge a little bit if you're looking for some over under gambling numbers. The Bears, that's probably what the Bears' win total is. Probably six and a half, isn't it? I don't have any Vegas odds in front of me right now. I don't have it in front of me either, but if it was, I would take the under. Hmm. All right, so to to wrap up your playoff teams, we don't need to necessarily seed them, but your playoff teams in the NFC are? Philly, San Fran, Seattle, Atlanta, um... Atlanta. You got Green Bay. Detroit, Green Bay. That's that's seven right there. Yeah. Yeah. So just Yeah, so two, 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 and then only one out of the South. I think we're yeah, I think we're the same allotment, just different teams. Right. Yeah. So I've exactly. got so I'm going Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Lions, Saints, Niners, Seahawks. And your NFC championship game will be Philadelphia versus, um, oh gosh. Right. That, the, this is the, this is the question everybody's been asking themselves about the NFC in the off season. Like, Oh, once I get past Philly and San Fran, then what happens? Yeah. Um, well, I got to think about the seeding here. So I've got Philly one. I've got San Fran is two. And then it has to be the Lions is three. Mm-hmm. Falcons four. Atlanta Falcons four. I would throw Green Bay into my fifth spot. Uh, No, I would have Seattle in my fifth spot. So Green Bay six, Giants seven. Giants seven. Yep. Um. So if I if I just go round by round, Philly gets their bye. Then I've got man, man. It this is tough. Um. The Niners, because I think Green Bay would get Detroit in a playoff setting. Um. I think. Meaning Green Bay would win in a playoff setting. And then I think I would take Seattle over Atlanta. And so then you have Seattle versus Philly. So Philly over Seattle. And then I think you're looking at a Green Bay 49ers rematch. It's probably Eagles Niners if I want to be boring. But if I wanted to get spicy, I'm taking Detroit or Green Bay. It would be so fun if Detroit, Detroit Green Bay. if Detroit actually got to be this good. It'd be so fun. Just some new blood it, in the league. It would. Um, if if my Packers are out of it, I'm probably pulling for Detroit if they're still in it. 
and I I did not sketch mine bracket wise the way you did, but it just I think I have to go with the Niners. Take the Niners. I'm a little bit wanting to ride with the Seahawks. You're kind of talking me into Seattle here, maybe getting the hot hand because there's just nobody else in the NFC. Uh, Unless you believe Derek Carr is just going to go on a Joe Flacco-like run, which I guess could happen. I mean, I a little bit do. I'm kind of tempted to pick the Saints and either sound like a genius in six months or sound absolutely absurd. Let me go with an all-NFC West. I don't even know if this is possible. But the Niners take down a wild card, hot streak Seattle Seahawks. So we get the Niners back in the Super Bowl. Um, but what I'm concerned about is of the teams I picked, because we we know how much turnover there is, but five of the seven teams I have in my playoffs were in the playoffs last year. So it makes me feel like I'm missing something somewhere that we know about half the playoff teams turn over. So I better have a lot of new blood when I look at the AFC for the next episode. That one is a little bit more unpredictable if we, when, when we look at the AFC. Um, I think, I mean, a lot of people will tell you it's Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, although that's what we all thought last year. Still think Chiefs are probably the best team. Um, but you got to kind of look out for maybe Tua is healthy and then Miami really is one of the more complete rosters out there. I'm a big fan of the Miami Dolphins this year, especially if Tua can stay healthy. Um, I like the Bengals as well. I mean, how could you not? But I think there's a lot more good teams in the in the AFC. It's a little bit harder to sort out. But, man, I don't want to say that we're going to get a rematch of last year's Super Bowl because that Hardly, rarely, if ever happens. So, like you said, unfortunately, it's probably the Niners going to the Super Bowl. I hate it. It's my nightmare. Um, But we might have a Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl is kind of where I'm leaning this year. Boring. Uh, it's The Chiefs are going to be the prohibitive favorite, but I would love to see somebody else get if in there. Want- a I, I want it to be Cincinnati. I'm 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 selling my stock in the Bills. If you want it to be someone different, though, how about a Dolphins Niners matchup? I feel like it's 1985 all over again. Yeah, it would be. It'd be great. Um, I think Tyreek Hill in a Super Bowl setting. <laughs> Where's the Super Bowl? Be... This year? I should look into that. If it's in Miami. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is? No, if it is, that's Ty- Tyreek Hill at a Super Bowl in Miami. Let's do it. Okay, it is. Uh, oh, Super Bowl is in Las Vegas this year, which may not be any better situation. But um, we know the Raiders won't be there. Yeah, no. Or maybe we want to think about the Steelers as an ascendant team. Do you, no. do you believe in Kenny Pickett? I don't Not this know. early. Um, or I'm, the Jaguars? Are we the, riding with Trevor Lawrence that heavily? The I am. I talk about on the show how I'm really not a diehard for any team, but if I had to pick a favorite team, it's the Jags. So I'm a little bit drinking too much of the Kool Aid on Jacksonville. Jacksonville and Cincy. Spoiler for the AFC episode are kind of my two favorites there. I'm, I'm sick of the Chiefs. I'm done with the Bills until they get some stuff figured out. And I, I, I'm all in if it's the Dolphins and Tua. Just a little bit further Maybe. down the board. 
maybe uh, come Super Bowl time, we're just praising the genius of Brian Dable as he has made Daniel Jones look like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's taking a, a Josh Allen-like leap, and we are watching Trevor Lawrence ascend as well, and so we have a uh, Jaguars-Giants Super Bowl. I've got the NFC division winners in here. It's the worst-rated Super Bowl ever, by the way, Jags-Giants. Uh, yep. looking, looking at the, <laughs> looking at the teams here. So the division winners of the last three years, we can just easily say of the 2020s, NFC East, three different winners. Can you name the one team from the East that hasn't, who has the longest division winner drought? Uh, it's Commanders franchise. Ooh, they won it in 2020 somehow in the weird COVID year. The Giants somehow haven't won the division since 2021. It's just been rotating between the other three. Just strange. Oh. I think. Okay. Yeah, the Giants are always just a wild card team when they make the playoffs, apparently. Okay. Um, the Lions famously have not won a division title since 1993, but in the last three years, um, the Packers have two, the Vikings have one. The Packers have basically dominated that division in the 2010s and 2020s. Uh, the South, the Buccaneers won it back-to-back years because of TB12. The Saints had a little dominant run before that. And then the West, three different winners. Can you name the who's got the longest drought in the West? Don't overthink it. Arizona. There we go. They last won it in 2015. But just kind of just the point I'm trying to make is just how much turnover there is in these divisions that you got three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten out of the 16 teams have won the division within the last three years. So while we we may think we know everything now, who's to say? And like you mentioned, maybe it is Brian Dable's the key and the Giants, it's their turn to be atop the East. And the and the Lions can finally win the North for the first time this millennium. Yeah, and that's what I'm exactly what I'm predicting. Um, obviously, they got an influx of talent from Iowa, and that's going to help their cause. <laughs> the Panthers haven't won a division. No, just kidding. I almost read that way wrong. I was like that did not make sense. But because there was a while there where the East was like a new champ, or the South was a new champion every single year as well. That that's true. That's true. What I'm saying is, is we're giving all these previews. We're telling you that it's going to be this chalky situation with the Eagles and the Niners. That is probably the most likely outcome, the way that we see it now. But this is the NFL, and so in three months, we're going to look silly. Yes. But... Four months, probably, because that's when the playoffs are. But yeah, we'll look we'll look silly in about four months. I'm trying to. You can see if there's any other notes here on the season. We kind of got your take on the AFC. I was going to ask what you thought there, but just smart choice Chiefs, boring choice Chiefs, but smart choice. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's really hard to just basically based off what we saw last year um, throughout the playoffs and then in the Super Bowl with Mahomes kind of leading a comeback and doing it in the fashion that he did it's it's just doesn't seem smart to bet against Patrick Mahomes right. kind of in the same way that it isn't smart to bet against LeBron James in the NBA uh, or was I don't know maybe you could bet against LeBron now and feel good about it I still wouldn't but it kind of feels that way with Patrick Mahomes to where he's just ascended to this level where it's like just don't bet against him just 
Chiefs Super Bowl, Mahomes MVP. Seems like you can just throw it on repeat for the next three to four years and good chance of it hitting every year. We're going to start with those Chiefs on the first night. And again, the NFL knows what they're doing when they come up with these schedules. Starting with the big, bad defending champion Chiefs, Thursday night football, September 7th, the first real game. And they're playing against those little engine that could Detroit Lions that we're all cheering for. Looking at some of the other week one matchups, a lot of randomness. Sam Fran at Pittsburgh, a good old school matchup. Uh, Cardinals at Commanders, if you want to make sure you're in front of your TV for that one. Uh, Your Packers at the Bears, another old school game. Miami at the Chargers, and then Dallas at the Giants, of course, Sunday Night Football. I heard an interview with Chris Collinsworth recently where he said they would take Dallas every single game if they could get them, because no matter who they're playing, no matter how bad the team is, the Cowboys always pull the biggest ratings, which is wild. And then Monday Night Football, the debut of A.A. Ron Rodgers for the New York Jets. They host Buffalo, a potential preview for the winner of the AFC East. So a lot of very random matchups that first week, but your primetime games, Lions at Chiefs, Cowboys at Giants, and Bills at Jets. So the NFL knows how to make this schedule. Yeah, absolutely absolutely they do. Um, They've added some intrigue for us here, and I do think Kansas City will win on the opening night, but I do think that's going to be a competitive ballgame. And then we can listen to everybody panic and talk about how bad the Lions are and how wrong we were. And Or there's an alternate Central. universe where uh, Detroit wins that game and then everybody hey. overreacts to that. Can you welcome me with open arms um, this morning? Trey Lance decided to autoplay in a video behind me. Oh, wonderful. That'll be the first and last we ever hear from Trey Lance. <laughs> One of these, again, it's another research project. I do feel bad for the guy. He was just kind of thrown into the fire before he was ready. I think a lot of that happened, and he just happened to be playing for the quarterback whisperer who can turn any quarterback into a star. But I was, what I need to look for is quarterbacks who have been drafted, like a top 15 or maybe just a first round quarterback who kind of flamed out with the first stop, but then succeeded at a second or third location. Maybe Geno is a good example right now, but he wasn't that high of a pick. I think of like a Steve Young who, didn't really thrive with the Buccaneers and then went to the Niners and became a Hall of Famer. Trying to think where are guys who it, it took a second or third team for them to really pop as a highly drafted quarterback. Right. Yeah, I am. And I don't know who off the top of my head that would be. I'm I'm sort of blanking myself, but. No, that's a research project for another day. Totally. All right, anything else on the just NFL season preview that we haven't touched on yet? No, I think it's going to be uh, an entertaining season. Um, expect the unexpected, I guess. There's a lot of there's a lot of unknown. There's the known. There's the there's the very known with like the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Niners, the Bengals. Maybe if you want to throw them in there, and then I think. Beyond that, there's the known with like the bad teams with the Cardinals, the Texans, the Buccaneers. There's a whole lot of in the middle this year that where there's a whole lot of variance. I just I don't know if we'll be able to make sense of it, especially the AFC. The AFC is gonna be a wild adventure, I think. But it, but it will be loaded. Star yes. star studded. Um yeah. also just a, a quick 
give your team a month before you overreact. I have last year's schedule. And after four weeks of play, 30 of the teams were somewhere in the middle. They'd won some, they'd lost some. We just, I feel like we go crazy after, oh my gosh, this team is 2-0. and After four weeks last season, the, I uh, uh, just had it in front of me, the Eagles were 4-0. So if you want to take that as a sign, and the Texans were 0-3-1. The other 30 teams were somewhere in the middle, had good games, bad games, wins and losses. It is a razor thin margin of a league. So give, give your team some time before you uh, throw in the towel and jump ship. Same for your fantasy team. You can go 0-4 and still rally. But with your real life team, give, give it a little bit of time. Yeah, I don't think you can go 0 and 4 in fantasy or real life and still rally, honestly. Um, it's rare, but so you probably don't want to. You can panic if you go 0 and 4. You have my permission. <laughs> but, well, that is going to do it for this week's show. We'll get Austin in for the AFC preview and then. Super- oh, one. Yes. Hang on. I feel like we need to just just real quick. What are you most looking forward to in college football this weekend? It's the opening weekend of college football. Truly, we had week zero, but what uh, what game, if you could pick out any one game this week, besides your favorite team, I think we know each other's favorite teams here, but besides your favorite team, what game are you looking forward to the most? And now I'm quick pulling this up. I mean, the Miami versus Miami is fun. The Carolinas playing each other is fun. Uh, Florida, Florida, Utah, which is a random Thursday night game. That one really stands out to me. I'm a big fan of both of those teams this year. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything that would be a better watch for me. I, I don't know that Sonny Dykes can or would do this. I don't know that TCU has the horses, but I am all for every team just beating down Colorado this year. So if TCU wants to hang 50 on Colorado, I am, I'm all for it. Um, well, I think those are probably my top two. There's a big Saturday night or yeah, Saturday night or Sunday night game. The, is that the one where, is that the LSU Florida state game? Yeah, that's Sunday night. That's, yeah, so I think those, those are my, it, wait, hang on. Is that Monday night? That's Sunday night. Monday is the Clemson Sunday game. night. Yeah, Monday's Clemson Duke. Very yeah. smart by college football. I don't know why they didn't do this before, but very smart to take over uh, Labor Day weekend. So I'll say those are my top three. The Florida-Utah game, the TCU beating up Colorado, hopefully, and then LSU-Florida State is probably the biggest just if you're a casual football fan. If you're a little more hardcore football fan, uh, can I interest you in Toledo versus Illinois at 630 on Big Ten Network? Uh, Toledo is probably the leading candidate to win the MAC, and we all love some good matching. Illinois, a pretty good team as well, but I think that's going to be closer game than people expect. So I would, uh, it's the same time as North Carolina, South Carolina. I'll probably have three games going all day, <laughs> but, um, but so that 630 window on Saturday night. Those are probably the two that I'll be watching the most. So enjoy your opening college football weekend as well. Man, that's Sunday. And they're on normal TV for people like me who don't want to stream everything or have to find ESPN, CBS, and ABC for those Sunday games. Yeah, wonderful. And on Saturday, we have our first, uh, we have our first Big Ten on CBS game. That's, I don't, that's still so weird for me to hear. Sorry. Uh, I think that was Trey Lance coming in again. Nope, no, that was wasn't. just me yelling. 
Um, Sorry. My bad. Anyways, um, we're having some sound issues today. But anyways, uh, as I was saying, we got our first Big Ten game on CBS this weekend. Yeah, and it's it's a it is a weird thing to think about Big Ten on NBC and CBS and well at least the Pac twelve can Pac twelve fans can enjoy the one year life they have on TV. Wait, what? You get Pac twelve network? Because <laughs> I don't. They put like one 95- game on ABC every couple of weeks. Ninety five percent of the country can't watch Caleb Williams, and he's the best player in college football. Uh, what a system we've created, huh? Wonderful. That's why it's going to be so great that USC is moving to the Big Ten and will be on actual TV. Unfortunately, they can't move to the Big Ten channels this year because the world should be able to see Caleb Williams. But, yeah, shows you why the Pac-12 is dying out because of the TV deals that they've made. You will hear us lament that several episodes throughout the year and many weeks ahead. Absolutely. So, didn't mean to sidetrack the end of this podcast too much, but again, enjoy football. We've hit that time of the year, and it's pretty much the best time of the year, and and really is once we get basketball going again. I'm ready for it. Let it it begin. Unleash the hounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we won't have any free time until the summer. (laughs) Sorry, kids. Babysit yourself. Absolutely. All right. Well, we thank you all for joining on this fun NFL preview episode AFC next week. And then we will see where we go from there as we get into September and so many sports to cover. We will have it here. Thank you all for joining us. Keep your stick on the ice. 